It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome to Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast from MLB.com, alongside my partner and co-host, Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. Uh, Greg, we got a big week coming up at the ballpark. We're on the road for a few days, but then we come back home this weekend, and the much-anticipated Ronald Acuna Jr. bobblehead giveaway is April 26th for the first 15,000 fans through the gates as the Braves take on the Colorado Rockies. Uh, presented by SunTrust, these custom bobbleheads are sure to go fast, so make sure you get to SunTrust Park early on the 26th and stay after the game for some Friday night fireworks. To add to your collection and get your tickets, go to braves.com slash tickets. Greg, this is a uh, first 15,000 fans only Friday night. It's a Friday night red out game, so wear your red. Get here early. This is going to be this is the first Acuna bobblehead for the big league team. Some of the minor league teams have done them along the way, but this is our first one in Atlanta. This is going to be a popular one. You need to get out here early Friday, right? Yeah, I've already gotten calls from people like, "Hey, you know, you think you can put a couple ball?" I'm like, "Do I? I don't have a. I don't have a Ronald Acuna stash." Yeah, <laughs> no. I mean, it's not like I've got a vault. I can go and pull some out of. But. I, I get that every time with the bobbleheads. People <laughs> ask me, and I always wish I could, but I'm like, "Look, I get one." I get yeah. one, and uh, you know who's keeping that one? How did you one? get one? Me. I don't get one. Well, I sit in the press box, and oh, they, they generously okay. give all of us in the press box during the game the, the giveaways. Y'all are spoiled. We are. <laughs> yeah, we are spoiled. <laughs> I'm well aware. I know my place. I'm well aware of how spoiled I am. Yeah. But, yeah, they're excited about that. It should be good. Um, it should be good. Yeah. wonder what he's going to be. So, the most creative one I've ever seen was the Sid Slide. I think double bobblehead. The sit slide is triple. The triple with the with the ump. Yeah, that's probably that's my number one that I have uh, in my collection. Number two would be the Chipper Freddy ATV. Bobblehead. Oh, that's right. That one's pretty good too. Yeah, the Pete uh, Pete Van Weren uh, one and Skip one where they're they've got a, a some voice in it or something. It's right? got the little button and it's got uh, that you can push where it's got. Uh, two of their famous calls. Pete is, oh, that's I right. think, is uh, him calling Smoltz's three thousandth strikeout, mm-hmm. and I can't remember which one it is for Skip because Skip, God, Skip has some iconic calls, and I can't yeah, remember which one. Does. I can't remember if it was Sid or if it was the World. It might have been the World well, Series. Well, Braves win. Braves win. That might be what it was. Yeah. yeah. And then there's the uh, Chipper uh, Ozzy Osbourne. That's good. Yeah, play, plays yeah. plays Crazy Train. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've had some good ones over the years. We have, we have. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, since we're talking about Crazy Train and music and whatnot, our guest this week, uh, we're very excited about. Uh, diehard Braves fan, and for my money, and I'm not just saying this because he's on the show with us. It's I really do mean this, and I've said it for oh, a yeah. while now, is that I think he's the best songwriter going right now in the wow. world. I really do. 
Uh, I'm pretty eclectic in my taste. I've mentioned my Metallica fanboyism here. Well, and you've written some songs yourself. I've written a couple <laughs> along the way. Yep, yep, sure have. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, those uh, th- nobody's accusing me of being <laughs> the best songwriter around. That's for sure. Um, you know more than I. Well, you know, it's well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make the people suffer through uh, through my music. Not today, anyways. Maybe At some point, some we point. may have to bring in our guitars. Okay, see and now I almost see I had to hesitate just now because I you you let out a little secret to me yesterday. By the way, the guest is Jason Isbell. <laughs> we we just got off on a tangent there. We were literally backstage right before Jason took the stage yesterday. I'm sorry. Can I talk about me some more? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you let out a little secret to me. This whole time we've made fun of me and my music and my parodies and my singing. That's and why everything. I never brought it up. And then you just casually mentioned while we're on stage at the festival yesterday, backstage looking at the the guitar case for mm-hmm. Jason and his band, the 400 Unit, all their guitars. Mm-hmm. And we're all just sitting there kind of, you know, drooling over them. And you just go, man, I something along the lines of, like, I decided I love looking at guitars. And then you just casually mention that, that you have a guitar and you play guitar. <laughs> and I'm like, well, where's this been for eight months since we've been doing this? We've made fun of me long enough, you know. <laughs> That's right. So I wasn't, see, I was just now, I almost was getting ready to say, we'll bring in our guitars. But you said, you're like, ah, well, I like to keep this guitar thing to myself. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to bring it up on the show. But now that you well, have. you have to sing. I might play with you, but you have to sing. You have to, okay. We, we need right. to come up with All a right. new. You might have to. Your job may be able to come up with a new song for one of the current players that we uh, introduce on the podcast. I mean, you oh, you Lord. haven't done it in a while. It's been a while, right? Yeah. So when's the last time you did one of your special songs? I helped out. What uh, do you call those parodies? Your parodies. Say, okay. Yeah. What's the last one you did? Uh, you know, I, I helped out uh, our, our friend Alex Middleton from ba- Braves Vision. Who uh, who does a great job and helps us film these uh, these episodes for YouTube? Most of them, he put together a couple of years ago a Braves Christmas carols like hmm. commercial kind of deal, and I wrote a couple of those, one or two of those that made the final cut for that. Before that, though, just me solo. It's been oh gosh, 2013, 2014. Maybe? Okay, well I think it's, it's time. It's so I'll, I'll accompany, I'll play with you, but okay. you have to come up with the song. Figure it out. Okay. All right. But they probably want to hear more about Jason than they do us. So. Well, maybe. Maybe so. Well, I got to tell you, Jason Isbell, a huge thanks to him for taking the time. I mean, as we mentioned, we were, you know, he was playing a festival downtown at Centennial Olympic Park. He not only took time out of his day to sit down and talk with us, I mean, it was literally like an hour before he went on stage, which to me, like, I, I mean, even for me and my crappy little songs, I need some time to sit down and think and be, not be bothered or whatever before I'm going to play it or, or whatever. Well, he's a pro. And he's a pro. Well, that's the thing. I'm a rookie. He's a pro. That's it. Yeah. I, I did feel a little bit like somebody come and want to interview me in the bullpen right before I went out to pitch. Yeah. Probably would have been. You, you I guess if we were that. playing the Cubs, it would have been okay. Oh, but. man. <laughs> you're you're going to hear what he just mentioned, what Greg just mentioned there. He mentioned there's there's a reason he mentioned that you'll hear it in the interview. <laughs> uh, but Jason, he's he is legitimately a diehard diehard Braves fan. Of course, he played a post game concert here. Uh, had to be rescheduled a couple of times because of various things, but we finally you know finally made it happen. He put on a great show. Longtime diehard Braves fan since he was a kid. And that's what we mm-hmm. kind of start off the interview talking about that and how that happened. And he's a guy that really does keep up with the Braves. I mean, pretty much I mean, every day. I can vouch for this, working on the social media side, and some of the lean years during the rebuild, he was still one of the guys on there on Twitter tweeting, watching, keeping up with what was going on. It didn't matter how, how good or bad the season was going. He's a guy that's, he's watching all the time, and you can tell he's passionate about it. 
uh, cares about it, and uh, just a really, really interesting, down-to-earth, nice guy. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed the interview, talking, obviously, he grew up in the time when I was playing, and so talking about old teammates and his grandparents. I, I've, I've said this to you probably a number of times, but the number one fans, fan that I've ever met is is the grandmother. I mean, I, just time and time again, people, oh, my grandmother, she loved you guys. She watched every night on TBS. It just you can bank on it. And so when he brought that up, it just it's something I've just heard over and over and again. So it was great reminiscing with him. It absolutely was. And him talking about growing up, like being at his grandparents' house, I think we talked about in the interview, it kind of made me flash back to hanging out with my grandparents at their house. And it's just, it's very similar. Uh, I think some similar upbringings in this, this kind of growing up in the Southeast and Andy Griffith show leading into <laughs> Braves baseball, that kind of thing. So big thanks to Jason. Before we get to the interview, I also want to say thanks to Ben Erickson, his tour manager, who was very gracious uh, they literally shut that like they, their production office for this show. They basically took all their stuff out of there and gave it to us for an hour and a half to set up and then give Jason time to come mm -hmm. in. Big thanks to them and big thanks to our boss, Adam Zimmerman, for putting it all together. This was a, a unique opportunity, and we're certainly, uh, certainly thankful for everybody that put it together. So uh, without further ado, here he is, Jason Isbell. All right, well, Jason, thank you so much for joining us here on Behind the Braves. Not only for giving us the time, but you're literally getting ready to go on stage here in like an hour. Yeah, I'm on pretty soon, but that's okay. Yeah. I'd be sitting somewhere talking about baseball. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, I wanted to start with um, you wrote a great article a couple years back in Garden and Gun that kind of explains your love for, for Braves baseball and growing up as a kid in Alabama, kind of first becoming infatuated with it and how it connected you to your, your grandparents. Mm -hmm. I just – we just kind of wanted to know the backstory of how that fandom developed and how that strengthened the bond to your to your family. Oh yeah, well you know we didn't have any professional sports teams in Alabama. I mean the closest we had was college football. Um, and my grandparents were not they weren't into sports at all really when I was very small. Um, you know they just always been working. My granddad was a preacher. He just he didn't have time really to to get too much into sports. And uh, when I was about I guess six or seven, I started playing baseball, you know, t-ball and then baseball. And they were just, they just always wanted to hang out where I was. So, you know, they came to all my games. And within the first season, uh, you know, they had learned all the rules and started following the game. So, I mean, if I would not played as a kid, they never would have gotten into baseball at all. Um, but just because they wanted to come to every game. And, and, and they lived right next to the uh, – the school that I went to, which was like kindergarten through 12th grade. It was all in the same spot. And uh, so they would they would just come over to the games and, and they learned the rules and then figured out, I think, that it was something that they could follow, you know, because they didn't watch a lot of TV. My granddad, would they would tape old Westerns, you know, and watch like <laughs> Big Valley and Gunsmoke and, and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, uh, Andy Griffith's show was fine, but you know they were they were Pentecostal and they were pretty strict about it and so anything that was like uh, you know vulgar or obscene or not for family consumption you just you just couldn't watch at my grandparents house and you know I think even probably football would have been too violent for them but but baseball was perfect um, you know because we could all sit and do something for for two and a half hours together and and nobody would get uh, offended and everybody would have something to follow so I, ca I continued doing that with them pretty much up until 
I'd moved out of the house and gone on tour, you know, um, or at least until I went to college. I, I played up until I was probably 15 or 16 and then started playing in bands, and, and that took up most of my time after that. But, um, but yeah, we spent a lot of time together watching Braves games, and, you know, everything was on TV back in those days, and, and uh, the Braves were the Cubs, you know, so you could watch. We even got into Cubs games. My grandmother loved uh, Mark Grace. And uh, I guess because she didn't know him very well, but <laughs> he had a good name. He had a good name, right? <laughs> he had a good name. He was a handsome man, my yeah, he was. Thought. Yeah, that's probably what got him in trouble. But no, don't put that on. The <laughs> um, but yeah, my grandmother loved Mark Grace and uh, Andre Dawson, and uh, you know, so daytime we would watch the, the the Cubs or the Braves. Whoever was on Cubs were always on in the daytime in those days, and and. And then we followed the Braves really uh, seriously. You know, my, my grandparents had – I remember Raphael Belliard was my grand, my grandmother's favorite because he always smiled, and she just liked that. She's like, he's he's always happy. Win or lose, he's always got a smile on his face, so I like him. You know? He was like that. He, yeah, I mean, sure. he just he looked like a happy guy to he's be like, on the field. He's so little. He looks like a little kid out there, and he's yeah. tiny, you know, and he always smiled and – and uh, he was definitely one. Uh, he was kind of quiet, but he he's very had a pleasant disposition, and yeah. and he was a great teammate. But um, so your grandmother and I have a lot in common, yeah. Because I grew up. I'm 52, so I grew up watching the the Cubs during the day. I'm I, sure. I yeah. went through a time where I struggled with my health with knee problems, and um, so I sat and watched the Cubs after school. I wasn't playing sports, and then I'd watch the Braves at night. The Braves weren't that good, but I grew up with Rafael Ramirez and oh, yeah. Dale Murphy and Bob Horner and those guys. And But, yeah, uh, Sarge and, and um, uh, just a lot of those guys with the Cubs that end up getting to play against, which was kind of right, cool. Right, I'm sure, yeah. One thing I was amazed at, at growing up a Cubs fan is that we had – that stadium was one of the older stadiums in, mm -hmm. in baseball, but actually going there for the first time and playing a game there, I was amazed. I did not realize that scoreboard was so big. Have you been to Chicago? Oh yeah, yeah. And they, you know, they do all the numbers like Fenway. Totally, and, uh, it was kind of a cool place. The stadium being so small and the scoreboard yeah. being so big, yeah. it's kind of probably overwhelming from yeah. field level. You know, it was cool. We had we did a podcast with uh, Hank Aaron, and Hank was I don't know if you remember this, but when I was a kid, they showed reruns of these black and whites. Of the home run derby. Oh, totally. I watched Remember those? them all okay. the time. Yeah. So Hank won more money than anybody on those shows. Yeah. And I said, Hank, how was it hitting in Wrigley? And he goes, oh, it was great. So he's talking. To, but that wasn't Wrigley. It was oh, The original really? Wrigley was in California. Yeah. Then they took that and made that in Chicago, oh. which was really kind of cool. But, yeah, he talked about that, and that was really fun for me because I remember watching just some of those episodes. And oh, it was so great, yeah, man. It was, it was awesome. so, That one, and, like, when there was a rain delay, you would either get that or you would get uh, This Week in Baseball. Yeah, Twib Notes. Yeah, yeah. Twib. Yeah. Those were good. Those and, were good. Uh, you know, the the uh, the Cubs thing, like when I got older and started like touring and playing music and stuff, I got to be pretty good friends with John Prine, who's, you know, my hero, everybody's hero if you write folk songs for a living. Mm. But um, he and Steve Goodman, who was his best friend uh, in college, Steve got uh, adult leukemia and dropped out of college, and he's like, I'm going to write songs. I don't have very much time left, so I'm going to do what I want to do. Mm. So he talked John into into pursuing that with him, basically. He was like, we're... We're going to be songwriters now, you know, and, and whatever else happens, we'll do it. And John was delivering the mail and writing songs while he was on his mail route. But Steve lived in those apartments behind Wrigley, and mm. they would sit up on the roof and watch Cubs games. And so Steve wrote Go Cubs Go. And, mm -hmm. he, wow. you know, he, he passed away in the 80s um, and, uh, you know, never got to see 
the the Cubs rise to greatness, you know. But yeah. uh, but that was one thing. Every time I hear it, I think about John and Steve because they sat out there and watched all those ball games, and then and then Steve was such a big fan that he wrote that song. And that's cool. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty neat, man. It's pretty neat. Well, John still loves the Cubs. I'll say one thing. So yeah. it was what I loved about the Cubs were two things. Number one, we could go there and play day games, and then we had the night to go out to dinner, so we yeah. take our wives and stuff like that. The other things we always won because they weren't any good. So right, <laughs> yeah. Ah, in those yeah. days, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That was we owned the cut. I, I love pitching against Mark Grace because he was like one for twenty off of me. So, uh-huh. uh, so those guys were uh, those were good. They were good to us. Yeah. Jeff Blauser hit tons of home runs. Blauser, I love Blauser, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That team, that team was so much fun to watch. So much yeah. fun to watch. They, um, were. they really were. And it's you know interesting in the Cubs World Series run. That was to me the biggest thing that sticks out to sticks out in my mind is the shot of Wrigley with that song mm-hmm. playing. And after they won the game in the World Series, and the entire crowd is singing that song. And mm. I thought, man, that's it just was, cool. It, it, was, it was amazing. Ele- yeah. Even on TV, it was electric. Yeah, it was so, amazing. You know, you're talking about growing up uh, with your grandparents and watching on TBS. That was similar for me. When my parents, they traveled a lot when I was a kid for work. So I would stay with my grandparents down the street, and we watched a lot of TBS. So we watched Mandy Griffith at 530 every yeah. day. That's what you watched on Channel <laughs> 7. You watched yeah. Andy Griffith. Yep. And then you'd watch reruns of uh, Jefferson's and uh, Sanford's on TBS. Right. Unless the Braves were on, we watched you the Braves. You switch over. Yeah, so it's those, those memories are coming up. And I know you tweeted, uh, I believe it was right before game one of the playoffs last year, the NLDS, you tweeted about how uh, your family's annual summer trip when you were growing up was to come to Atlanta totally. and see the Braves, play the Dodgers, and go over to Six Flags. I yeah, believe. we would. We'd go to Six Flags, and we would stay at that Holiday Inn at Powers Ferry. They had just built that thing. And uh, – and, I mean, we would come in with, like, you know, uh, coolers full of sandwich meat. My dad was one of those dads. You can still right? do that, by the way. You can still do it. You can still bring it. Good to know. Yeah, one of the places you can still bring your own food. That's good to know. Yeah, so my dad was one of those guys. You know, we'd come in with everything we were going to eat for the week, and we'd go see usually the Dodgers uh, and the Padres would play, you know, right there back-to-back. Mm-hmm. And so we would go see those series um, pretty much every, su- every summer. And I, I loved the Dodgers because that was my team when I was seven and eight years old, you know. So when I was seven and eight, my parents had to, we had to sit on the away side right behind the dugout, you know. <laughs> and I would go down and get autographs in the pit. And one time I passed out because this is like a July series, you know, and I was probably eight years old. And I passed out, and I was I was trying to get Hershiser's autograph, which I think I finally got. But you know, I got so hot, and and uh, then I woke up, and there was this lady carrying me up the stands, and she found my parents, and it was uh, somebody in Fernando Valenzuela's family. Like I think it might have been like his mom or his sister, oh my gosh. because they were all sitting right behind the dugout where we were, and then we got to talking to them, and we found out that it, they were relatives of, of Valenzuela. But, um, you know, she's just carrying me like a baby because I'm <laughs> unconscious, you know, looking who's, for my Who's parents. Nino? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, but um, yeah, I, I, after that, you know, I, I went back to sitting on the home side. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we had, we had a, lot of, a lot of really great trips. I remember watching Tony Gwynn and just being, like, astounded to get to see him hit a few times every year you know i remember talking like hearing maddox talk about that was the only person that Mm -hmm. he was afraid of everybody else he knew what to do i've got a win story for you so my rookie year we're playing in san diego and tony had as probably he had two or three years left in his career so you know of course i knew how great a hitter tony gwynn was but um so i'm sitting there and i throw him change up swinging a miss bad throw him another change up swinging a miss bad 
And I'm like, and I just kind of walk off. And I'm like, Tony Gwynn, he's not that good. <laughs> right, right. So, <laughs> third pitch, throw him another changeup. He hits a linea right off my toe. I'm, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hopping around the mound. Like, yeah, I guess he's a pretty good hitter. He probably did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, that's right. right. I'm going to set this gear that, up. That's right. That's right. Yeah, he was he was great. Yeah. What I loved about what he did is that he – you know, if you if you listen or read much about him, he'd use a 32-inch bat, mm-hmm. you know, which is basically a toothpick compared to what a lot of guys use nowadays. Yeah, that's what but, I was using yeah. when I was <laughs> that's right, yeah. watching him. Because yeah. his idea was, you know, he could hit a home run, but he'd only hit maybe 15, you know, so home runs a year. But he – you get two strikes on him, he was going to put the ball in a hole. He's he going to make gonna contact. Get a hit. Yeah. They don't think that way anymore a yeah. lot of times, but uh, he was just what made him such a tough out. He didn't strike out. You might get him once. You might get him twice, but that third time he was going to find a hole, and uh, he was a great hitter. Yeah. His He's hands his hands were yeah. so quick, and I guess with that little bat, that, that helped. Oh, you yeah, know? you couldn't get it by him. But, yeah, he's just so he was so, like, his reaction time was so fast and his hands were so fast that it was just like, okay, he's going to yeah. hit this ball. And this his work ethic, he, he would hit hundreds of, hundreds of balls before the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you couldn't outwork the guy. Yeah. Sometimes he didn't look like he worked a lot, you know, because he got a little heavier back in the right, day. Right, right. But he, he worked very, His very hand hard. stayed in shape. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> he was a sweet man, too. That's, oh, yeah. I was yeah. lucky really? got to meet him before he passed, and he just couldn't have. That's When you meet guys like that, you always kind of hope, like, please just don't let it be a jerk. Totally. And he couldn't have been anything, like, further from that. He yeah. was just such a sweet man. Well, I mean, so. he worked in the game. Uh, was it San Diego State? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he worked he in the game there. for a long time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, of course, his son, you know. and Yeah. 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 So who are uh, your grandmother's favorite was Raphael Belliard. She loved Belliard. Yeah. My who granddad. Your, oh, your granddad. Yeah. L- l- my granddad loved John Smoltz, and for obvious reasons, you know, my right. granddad liked the fastball. He liked to see people <laughs> embarrassed at the plate. Right. Um, <laughs> he but could you know, do that. He, yeah, yeah, he had my granddad had nicknames for everybody, and I think partially it was because he just didn't go far enough to learn how to pronounce people's actual <laughs> names. You know, this is Alabama, and but part of it was it, he was he was he was being funny, and and Smoltz was Smokes. I always remember that. And that made perfect sense to me. It's like, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. And then, you know, uh, uh, they they uh, really enjoyed Mark Lemke. Mark Lemke was a lot of fun to watch because, you know, he was a little Dirt. guy. And he, mm-hmm. Dirt was his nickname. Oh, really? <laughs> he sounds like when he's doing the, the radio broadcast, mm-hmm. he sounds like Tom Bodette from Motel 6. Oh, really? <laughs> Have you ever oh, noticed man. that? <laughs> I never thought that. that. I will perfect. let him know. <laughs> that is time, perfect. Next time, think about <laughs> that for a second. Like, I keep oh, waiting on him to say, this is Tom Bodette from Motel we'll 6. We'll keep the light on for <laughs> you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's great. Yeah, Lemmer is a great teammate. I was I, When I was uh, playing Little League, that was I, I wore the batting helmet over top the hat because that mm-hmm. was mainly how Lemmer did it. Oh, yeah. yeah. How Mark Lemke did it, and I was a big Lemke fan. Yeah. So it was kind of – That looked cool. It did, back that then, it was really, the look. That was the flip thing. ups. The With flip the up flip-ups, yeah. yeah. Bobby wouldn't let us wear the Oakleys. Really? Yeah, so – Why you, not? You notice it was too too uh, too cool. Too flashy. You know, so no, no backwards, you know, hats can wear your hat backwards. Couldn't because Oakleys started getting really big then. And, of course, Oakley was wanting – I mean, think about all the guys with Justice and Dion yeah. and Ron Gant and um, you know, all the pitchers. They wanted us to wear those glasses, and they were given – but we, we like, hey, you know, we can't wear them on the field. So, um, yeah, Bobby just did, thought that was too showboat. Bobby had some Bear Bryant in him, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, that's, that's true. one way you win, man. That's, I hear you. You know. 
Who were so? Did you have? Was there one guy that was would growing up was that was your guy, or was it just multiple? Because it for me, it's hard to pick because I grew up around the same time. It's yeah, hard to it's pick hard one. to pick one. I was really really excited when Fred McGriff came to town. Yeah. That was that was a time when it was like man. But you know, I was a pitcher, so uh, Glavin and Maddox watching those guys is just you know, and and Glavin, if you could get past the first inning. You know, game was over. I mean, once the first, if he could get out of the first without anybody coming yeah. home, then it wasn't going to happen. You know, and Maddox just—he looked like my uncle Brad. Like he did, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he, it's like so much like my uncle Brad. And my uncle Brad drank too much. You know, <laughs> I mean, but he it was, still looks like your uncle Brad. <laughs> yeah, I guarantee you, he does. We, we were just uncle at his Brad house is. doing the podcast. At uh, we went to the winter meetings in Las Vegas. Oh, nice. So I got to play a couple uh, rounds of golf with him and. And I said, hey, uh, dog, you know, we called him Doggy. He said, hey, we want to. Oh, you're talking about Maddox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah so yeah, you're talking okay. about. You said, yeah, Doggy Maddox, looks like yeah, his Uncle yeah, Brad, yeah. right? So I said, Doggy, hey, why don't we, uh, we want to do the podcast. And he's like, he goes, he has no idea what podcast right. is. So, <laughs> so we're, we're talking. So Ricky, I tell Ricky to Uber out to his house after we play. And so he thinks it's, uh, he thinks we're like doing this big video production or whatever. And he's <laughs> like, hey, do I look okay? And go, well, this is just. <laughs> this, we're just doing a podcast. It's not. Uh, You're not we, sitting this, in a pod on television. <laughs> right, right, right. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, so he goes cool. So we go upstairs. He throws a upper lipper in, you know, and uh, and he's in a sticks t-shirt. <laughs> oh, <laughs> perfect. His brand new sticks t-shirt. Yeah. Oh, he's got a new he one. Just, he just saw. I think he just seen them in Boston. That's right. Long. Maybe they just come to Vegas. And he yeah. was rocking. His Stick new still sounds great. Tommy yeah. Shaw, man, he's got yeah. it. He's from yeah. Alabama. He's Montgomery, mm-hmm. Alabama. Is he really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. Um, well, well, I have a lot of uh, growing up good memories of um, just Leonard Skinner and and uh, just some of the early oh, yeah. influences in, in my life. My brother listened to them. And, of course, I've gotten to play with some guys from lower Alabama over the years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Turner Ward and Mike Mordecai, one of four yeah, teammates. They yeah, went to Mordecai. Southern South Alabama. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so I just uh, when I think about that. Think about some of those times with the guys and, and all the good stuff's come out of Alabama. Now, I grew up a Tennessee fan. Yeah. So, it was Johnny Majors and Bear Bryant battling I'm out sure. Tennessee, Alabama. My brother played football with Reggie White at Tennessee. Oh, okay. So, I grew up during that time with uh, some good football teams and, and t- going against Alabama. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Me and my dad battles. went to the uh, the Mount Cody game. When he blocked those field goals, it's been mm. about, gosh, it's been seven years ago, oh, I yeah. guess. That was amazing. That was not. I mean, we thought <laughs> we were beat, you know. I know. We thought we Dude were beat. Dude came out of nowhere. Just, yeah. God. I don't know how he jumped. He jumped like four he did inches. like three or four <laughs> times that year. Yeah, he it did. wasn't just Tennessee. He blocked two in that yeah. game. And then he did a couple more. But but the, the one at the end of the game was like, we thought we were beat. I mean, it was, yeah. what, 22, 25 oh, yards gosh. out or something, yeah. you know. And then yeah. later on, I was playing at uh, Meriwether Post Pavilion in Baltimore. Right outside of Baltimore, and uh, a bunch of the uh, uh, Ravens guys were there. And one of the guys, it was we were playing, and Chris Stapleton was playing. And the the one of the Ravens guys was like, I snapped that ball. Oh like, really? Nice. Yeah. How about that? Like, I was at Tennessee, and I snapped that that kick that didn't happen. Wow. Like, oh, yeah, he said it was devastating. Devastating. Yeah. Well, I know. All right, so I. I but caught the baseball bug early. I'm watching Greg McMichael and those Braves teams in the 90s on yeah. TBS, and I kept with it my whole life. And then later in life, my parents finally had more siblings that are much younger than me. And as a result of me constantly watching baseball, I didn't force it on them, but by me watching it all the time, they kind of started taking an interest in it. Yeah. They were watching, and I eventually got them hooked on it. 
And that's because all of their kids were watching. Then my parents finally got hooked on it. So now the whole family's Braves fans. So I'm oh, curious. That's great. I know you're watching a lot of Braves baseball. I work on the social media side, and I've you know see your tweets and all. I of that. missed the comeback last night. Yeah. Oh man, it was a heck of a. I watched a a game, game one, and then I had to go on stage. You know, th- four innings into game two, and then I missed. I missed all the action. It was. Uh, you didn't miss anything up until that night. Right. Game. No, I <laughs> that's saw. That's when I turned it on. I yeah. saw a lot of nothing, and then <laughs> yeah. I missed all the good stuff. <laughs> But I'm curious with your because I you know I follow you on all the socials and uh, your your daughter Mercy who is just cute as she can be and hilarious too yeah. when you show her on your she's on your really funny very witty very funny yeah has she has she at all caught you like started taking interest in you when you're watching Braves she'll games? watch she'll watch with me for a few minutes she will I mean she's three and a half so she's right. not you right. know she's not gonna watch a, something that's one hour for each year of her life you know <laughs> right. um, but she'll sit there I can get twenty twenty five minutes out of her she loves. Acuna because she thinks his name is Cacuna. She's she's way into butterflies. So I when he it. when he comes up, she's like, "It's my friend Cacuna. <laughs> He's gonna turn into a butterfly." And I'm like, "Well, honey, if anybody can do it, he can." <laughs> That's awesome. And he got the big hit. Like, yeah, he did it. Night, you, know? He, you know that man that signing that guy for a long time is it's really really made yeah. me happy it really made me happy and now albie's albie's got a big albie's hit right too. before him yeah to keep it going with two outs so. yeah and albie's is quick and you know it's i just love the kind of team that you know you have you have people that you've been rooting for for a decade you know it's like it's so much fun to watch chipper play because it's mm-hmm. just like he's ours he's always been ours right. you know and uh I like I like those moves. I do. I mean, those are both great deals for the team, and you know, players seem happy with them. And, and I think that's a big part of again growing up in the area. I did watching the core of the team was you know you're going to have some changes each year, but the core was always there. The, yeah. The, the the big three in the rotation were there for a de- over a decade, mm-hmm. and you had all these core players that were there for a long time. And I personally, I just think it's good for the game when teams have young stars that come up and they're able to work it out to where they stay with that team totally just, yeah i think that's only going to strengthen fandom of each team for me and I, I understand you know players want to get as much as they can because once you're a certain age you know it's you over. can't play sure. ball anymore sure. and 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 you've had you've gotten used to a certain standard of living and your family's doing certain things that they want to do all the and you got to figure out a way to, it makes sense to me completely you know and like I even understand where you know the 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 DH rule is is probably going to change pretty soon because players association makes sense. I mean they want as many players out there as possible. They want people to be you know saved so they can play for a longer time and they want to make the game more exciting. But you know for a fan from just a strictly a fan's perspective watching somebody like Freddie who you can always count on being an anchor for the team you know, it's, that's more exciting to me than signing a free agent that's got a couple more years of hitting 30 home runs left. You know? I agree. And I even, we just, last week we did our, uh, you know, we usually have a guest, obviously, but last week we just did our first kind of solo show, I guess you will, if you will, with the two of us. Yeah. And our we, our topic was our each of our personal top five Braves moments. And one of mine was Jeff Francoeur's debut. And that was, my point was, I love following a kid who comes through the minors, and when that debut, when they first come up, watching them come up, that's always one of my favorite nights at the ballpark. Yeah, is seeing a guy come up and make his first first big league appearance. Yeah, so. totally, totally. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, I'm sure everybody says see it. That was that was the big. I mean, we were laughing, you know, because it's just <laughs> yeah. like this bionic man <laughs> has yeah. made it to home plate. You know, there was, was a lot of irony in that. Where oh you know, yeah. I told we were talking about. I, I use that as one of my top five 
I was in the minor leagues at the time, and I was just getting ready. I actually made that team the next year. But in 92, I'm sitting in my room, and I'm watching Fran- you know, uh, Francisco, which your jersey that you got there is Francisco's number, nice. number 19. Yeah. And so um, he gets the hit, which the ball that could have been very well easily called a strike was called a ball. He gets a hit the next one, and then you got Sid rounding, and you got Barry Bonds, who doesn't have the greatest arm in the world. He makes yeah. a decent throw. But, you know, you get Sid running and, and how ironic that he literally probably has one of the greatest plays of all time. Oh, totally, uh, yeah. For the modern, you know, kind of 90s, you know, a lot of us growing up in the 90s. Yeah, and had it been a little fast guy, it would not have been <laughs> yeah, as much Yeah, that's fun. right. If it was Otis running or yeah. Dion, you know, the, like – The intensity was not have been would have been standing up. Yeah. <laughs> that's my favorite thing in SunTrust Park in the monument, like in the, the monument area, is that knee brace in that yeah. in the case. Oh, yeah. That's that on display. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. F- it's beautiful. It's, awesome. it, it's It says a lot about baseball as opposed to other sports. It's mm. like if you play the game hard yeah. and you're smart, you know, like we were talking about Maddox earlier, it's like – he looked like my Uncle Brad. He was not my Uncle Brad. You know, I hit yeah. off my Uncle Brad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was there was something going on in his head that uh, you know yeah. just gave him an advantage over every everybody but Tony Gwynn. You know, they were they were pretty much level from from what Maddox said. That's right, Greg. Right. I want to hear. I want to hear. Yeah, your I got, qu- I, there's a question that I've been anxious for him to ask. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. um, obviously, I know nothing about the music business other than I love music. Right. Good. So, that's uh, that's why you love music. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And I, I read something. About you talking about well, that's really not the music, but you know, there's business, there's industry, there's all these different things, and I'm sure there's you know all the 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 dirty stuff that goes along with that, just like I know a lot of the dirty stuff that goes along in baseball. But as a as a player, um, I was a relief pitcher, and so I know what all that means. Yeah. Um, How's your arm? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you feeling yeah. okay? The arm. <laughs> I, I do know the biggest part of my job. You could equate it in football as like a lineman that they mm-hmm. only notice you when you screw up. Totally. Right? Yeah. So totally. in the in, in the music industry, right? In in if I was a band member, you know, going on tour with you, what would be the equivalent of a relief pitcher in your band? Oh, bass player, without question. Oh, bass player. Yeah, okay. bass player. Yeah. All right. Bass player, because when you're the guy who is pretty much always playing the root. You know, the, the, the bottom, the lowest note, and the one that's like, if I'm playing a C chord, you better be playing a C or some something that fits. And if you're not, it stands out immediately. You know, drummer can make it seem like he's doing that on purpose. <laughs> Guitar player can do anything. Like, Dwayne, like <laughs> Dwayne, right. Dwayne Allman always said, it's not the note you play, it's the one right after it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so if you do something twice, it sounds like you did it. All, all of a sudden, you're just you're just playing you're something interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, but with the bass player, it's not that way, man. It's not. You, you have to... Uh, you have to hold hold it down in a certain way that that yeah if, if you're out of line everybody notices it but in uh, the same token it's like nobody really appreciates a great bass player and uh, yeah Jimbo the guy that plays with me we've been friends since we were teenagers we met parking school buses at a uh, marching band competition his high school was visiting my high school for a marching band competition we were probably 15 and we were parking they had us out in the parking lot like pointing the school buses where to park you know <laughs> and we've known each other since then and he in my opinion I, th- I think he's the best bass player i've ever heard he's wow. just he's just he's so good at you know holding things down but still being able to improvise and still do things that are interesting but not overwhelming because what we do is song driven you know it's very much based on lyrics and melody and that can be a difficult thing because 
you know, I'm a guitar player, and I love guitars. I have a bunch of crazy old guitars. Everybody in my band considers themselves musicians first, you know. So when you're playing songs that are like, that have to be delivered lyrically and melodically, you can't be doing a bunch of playing on top of all that, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, it's a it's an interesting balance to like be tasteful and serve the song, but at the same time, you know, to have fun playing the guitar or the bass or the keys or whatever. Yeah, um, that's awesome. And you said good. Jimbo? Jimbo, Will you yeah. tell Jimbo I said hi? I will, I will. <laughs> I'll be watching him. He's, I appreciate he's, him. He's great, man. <laughs> he is. He's, he's, he's great. And, like, when I, um, when I got a divorce many years ago, I've only had one, so when I got my divorce, it's the only one I'm ever going to have. <laughs> yeah, I'll right. tell you you right learned now. a lesson, right? I learned. Yeah, <laughs> I learned. Um, but, uh, you know, I called Jimbo, and I hadn't talked to him in a few months, and I was just like, Jimbo, man, can I? I come stay at your place for a little while? And he's like, well, of course, man. What's mine is yours. And I was like, so I stopped by and got a futon at Walmart <laughs> and I set it up in Jimbo's living room, and that's where I stayed for a few months. We and all then, need those friends. Those yeah, friends, yeah, right? yeah. And then when I when I lost my gig, got kicked out of my band, I was like, uh, Jimbo, you want to be in my band? <laughs> I was like, well, of course, dude. What's mine is yours. I don't, he had other stuff going yeah. on, but he's just always been like, yeah, I'll do it. I'm on it. You That's know? great. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we're still together. Still, still well, we're going to get to hear awesome. you a little bit today. So yes. we're looking forward to that. Yeah. I'm excited to play here today. We've been uh, in Louisville the past couple nights, and it was 43 degrees last night. Wow. And outdoors. Yeah, outdoors in an amphitheater. Luckily, we had a we had a roof, so we didn't get wet. But it was cold. It was very mm. cold, and I I made a couple mistakes the first night. I had them put heaters out in front of me, and they were those big tube heaters, mm-hmm. you know. And they set them out in front of me, and they put bricks on the bottom of the tube to hold them there. And as soon as I start playing, you know, these 60-year-old guitars, they go all over the place. Ooh. They go out of tune. It's not happening. And it's the heater. The heat and mm-hmm. the cold yeah. kind of combo? Yeah, the wow. guitar can't get used to it. So I walk over, and I kick the first brick off of the front of the stage. You know, there wasn't any audience members in the pit. We had some space there. So I kicked the first brick, and the heater fell off. And I thought, you know, I got on boots that are kind of slick. I might not try to kick that second brick off. I might fall off the stage if I do that. Mm. So I thought, I'm going to be smart here, and I'm going to reach down and pick it up. And that turned out to be stupider than oh, kicking. Wow. The brick yeah. was hot oh, by then. The right? brick was very hot. Oh, yeah. And, you know, so I had a sore. F- I had to play with a sore finger oh, for a couple of days, but it didn't it didn't bubble up. So, so yeah, I'm glad to be in a warm climate. That's I for bet. sure. Amen to that. And you've got a uh, – you want to ask him about his uh, festival coming up? And I yeah, do, Shoals, yeah. Uh, Shoals Fest? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Back home uh, in the Shoals, it's it's actually in Florence, which is right across the river from Muscle Shoals. Um, and yeah, it's the first time we've done it, uh, and we've sold out. I think it's going to go great. Um, uh, Cheryl Crow's playing, Mavis, Mavis Staples is playing. Nice. That's a heck of a lineup. Yeah, my wife Amanda and her band, and then we're going to have another stage um, uh, curated by some local folks, and have and have some of the guys that you know we've known for twenty years over there playing, and and. Uh, yeah, it's really exciting. It's a one-day thing, and, uh, yeah, I've just always wanted to do that. I hadn't lived in North Alabama in a few years. I moved up to Nashville when I got sober and got married, you know. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's it's very exciting for me to bring, like, you know, big acts that are so good. Like Mavis and Cheryl both are just, you know, that's the best. That's as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. People forget about Cheryl, but, like, Cheryl's a rock star. Man. Oh, yeah. She's she sold tens of millions of records 
you know, and, and you never see her on the list of, like, who's left as a big rock and roll star. Cheryl is right in the middle of it. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. that yeah, that's going to be a blast. That's going to be a good time. Well, Jason, thank you so much for giving us your time thank today. Thank you, guys. We're I love to talk to, about the game. Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing you out there. Don't pick up any, any bricks if no there are any. Bricks, no. Yeah. <laughs> no hot yeah, bricks, no. No hot bricks. We'd love to have you up sometime. Oh yeah, I would love that. I know too. you played opening. We did. Uh, you know weekend. that took that was a, that was a struggle because the first time we were supposed to play the home opener at the new stadium, and uh, I got the norovirus. Oh my god! So gosh. I was in a hotel right over here, and I couldn't get to the door of my hotel room. So they wow. set everything up and sound checked, and I just couldn't do it. So we rescheduled, and then we got rained out. Yeah. Oh my so the second time we rescheduled, it was a doubleheader, and there was a rain delay in the middle of the two <laughs> games for about two hours. We finally went on at like 1 o'clock in the morning, but we got it yeah. done. But, yeah, I'll be back. I'll be back anytime I get a chance to yeah. come to a game. Yeah, I let us know. It. I know Adam, who's my boss, yeah. um, he uh, he's a big fan. We're all big fans of you, and I'd love to have you up anytime. Man, so we're looking forward to your set. And yeah, yeah. Thanks, Can't guys. Wait, man. Hope yeah. you enjoy it. Right. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Our thanks again to Jason Isbell for joining us here on Behind the Braves. I had to contain myself and try not to fanboy too hard because I'm just such a big fan of his and have been following him for so long. So. I think I held it in pretty good, and luckily he was a cool, down-to-earth, nice guy and easy to talk to. So Yeah, and I, you know, I'm a new fan because I didn't know much about him, but I knew kind of some of the people that he followed growing up with um, Neil Young and, and John Mellencamp, John Cougar Mellencamp and um, Bob Dylan. So, I, you know, I'm, I was fans of theirs, and so that's, <clears throat> excuse me, that's where he said that he was highly influenced by, and you can see it in his music, and so I've kind of uh, learned of him lately and i really enjoyed it and of course it was great being backstage and being able to see he he and his band members play of course they're all professional uh, musicians and um, just no more than jimbo jimbo yeah love jimbo uh he was good yeah he had a cool hat he had his beard he had a look like kind of a hawaiian shirt Mm -hmm. back there picking the bass like he looked good oh yeah he was he was good he was and tell you what he he was right on too yeah didn't mess up no get any bad looks not even a little bit we should have I, – I, I would like to know because we found this out uh, after the interview, literally as Jason was walking on stage, one of their uh, their cases where some of their gear was, they had that picture. Somebody had printed out a picture of uh, Nolan Ryan and Robin Ventura and yeah. the infamous getting fight. Getting pounded. Nolan, getting pounded. I'm curious. I, I would love to know, you know, whose that was and why it was there. It's cool that it was It's just one of those little things you see. The yeah. whole thing of us being backstage, and I've been to a zillion concerts in my day, but I've never been – backstage behind like the band looking out over the crowd and essentially I think as Adam Zimmerman said while we were standing there seeing what the band sees and it was so cool to see it from that vantage point just to see all those faces looking back at the band uh and it's it was it's it was one of those images I'll I'll, I'll always have in my mind for the rest of my days because it's again as a big concert goer I've spent a small fortune on concert tickets in my life <laughs> Uh, this is the first time seeing it from that side, and to get that experience, uh, that was that was pretty cool, pretty darn cool. Sure, and they're you know they're a team, just like a baseball team, and they have r- relationships with each other and how they interact during the concert, and and of course we got to talk to them before um, the keyboardist was there, and and uh, of course you know we interviewed Jason and all that, and then him talking about his relationship with Jimbo through some of the tough times he had in his life, and Jimbo was always there to you know, just to support him, and I thought that was really neat, and you could see how that played out on stage, and 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's fun hearing all that. And of course we tried to talk a little bit about the relationship between, you know, baseball and, and music. And, and of course, you know, he made a, he made a career choice. He said about, about 15 years old where he decided that, uh, he was, I guess he enjoyed both, but he was probably more gifted in, in music and, and that took more and more time. And so he didn't have time to play baseball and that kind of led him, you know, down his career path. I think he made the right choice. I think so. He's got a he's got a very uh, special tone to his voice really and, and depth. And of course, I've never met a songwriter that didn't have a lot of pain in his life. or been through a lot of things. And of course, you know he has, and you can tell it comes out in his music and just very rich and and uh, just you know kind of a very unique voice that you would recognize right away. A, a great uh, unique voice, um, great guitar player too. Mm-hmm. By the way, yeah. I mean, that was what really where I, I remember right. Kind of his start in his career, he was uh, the the famous Muscle Shoals recording studios. I think he was a session player there and a mm-hmm. guitar player. That just as a guitar player, then he kind of made his way into Drive By Truckers as a songwriter, singer, but a, a lot as a, as a guitar player. So that that's one part of his. Uh, his game, if you will, that maybe doesn't get looked at enough, but but again, I'm coming back to the songwriting. It, it's I, again, I say I think he's the best out there. I think John Mayer referred to Jason as the greatest lyricist of our generation. Wow! Like he's he, nobody. Can, it, it really is. It really is. From one of his contemporaries, who's uh, been pretty big over the last two decades, to to say something like that, I think is a is a tribute to how good Jason is. Well, I think how his life has has gone. I think there's probably a lot of good stuff ahead. I think so too. Definitely, definitely. How great! My favorite thing. There were a lot of things to take away from that. Cacuna, his daughter Mercy, <laughs> his favorite player being Ronald Acuna because she thinks his name is Cacuna and she loves yeah. butterflies. That is that was that like, was classic. That was fantastic. So, yeah. <coughs> I'm sure Jason will be back uh, to Atlanta to because to, to see some Braves games at some point and hopefully somewhere. I'd love to have him on again because I felt like we just barely scratched the surface with him. So Yeah, there's a bunch of ways we could have gone yeah. and talked with him. We just didn't have the time, but we enjoyed our time getting to learn a little bit more about him and, and hopefully um, our Behind the Braves fans learned something too. That's and maybe right. they'll, all, they'll all become Jason Isbell fans. I hope so. That'd be great. He's, if you haven't heard him, go check out his music. It's great. And check out Shoals Fest too. I'm hoping, I think that's October 5th, I'm hoping that a we're in the postseason and that b we don't have a postseason game that day. Well, if we sweep the team, if we sweep right? the team. We should be done by then. then so we might have uh, the weekend off. So you and I can pack up our guitars, <laughs> ride over to Shoals Fest, <laughs> and beg for a like a let them let us play at the gate or something, you know, for tips <laughs> with a hat. Yeah, with a hat. We'll get Jimbo's hat and you know, the Jimbo tribute band. We'll give him half us. the proceeds. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's see. We talked about uh, Shoals Fest coming up. Of course, we got Ronald Cunha Jr. bobblehead night coming up here at the ballpark, but we got some cool alumni stuff coming up too, don't we? Yeah, alumni weekend. We have uh, three special guys, Leo Mazzoni, former pitching coach, uh, former teammates Marvin Freeman, Alejandro Pena. They'll be here at the ballpark, get here early, 1130 to 1230. We'll be out at the Georgia Power Pavilion in the Battery signing autographs. Those guys uh, are uh, top notch and and had um, uh, going to have them out and then we'll do a little stuff in the ballpark and then watch the game, so they'll be here and then you know keep in mind too that we have we have over sixty five alumni here in the Atlanta area. We're always open to doing uh, events here and if you have a company or you have a special event here at the ballpark and you've got a suite uh, or a group coming in and you'd like to um, 
you know, have an alumni be a part of that, then you can contact us at uh, bradage.com slash alumni, and, um, and we'll uh, see if we can work something out. If not, you can, um, you know, you can just come by and say hi to us. We'd love to see you. I'm usually out there in the in the plaza telling people about behind the Braves mm-hmm. and showing them the iPod uh, app on the phone and saying, hey, did you know we had a podcast? And just telling people about it. I sat out there one day during Alumni Sunday, and I, th- I must have talked to 30 or 40 people just in a row that came up, and none of them had heard of it. So I just said, hey, you know, did you know we have all kinds of interviews of current, former guys? special fans and uh love to have you listen tell us what you think and and we subscribed some people right there so it was kind of fun very cool yeah so we're 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 gonna keep getting the word out and and uh telling people about the alumni events and telling people about the podcast we appreciate you listening and it's been a lot of fun for us and this is really the first time we've had a kind of a special fan a famous fan famous fan right Mm -hmm. on the podcast we're going to try to keep doing some of those Mm -hmm. we've uh We've got some tentative plans to um, to go to Charlotte and maybe do something with NASCAR, which would be pretty neat. And that's mm-hmm. near and dear to your heart. You can show me the ropes on. I'll try. On yeah. All that. Well, Rubin's racing. You know, <laughs> I'll teach all about you know what's what pushing means and what's you yeah know, what's tight, loose, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll show you around. It's not yeah, a problem. someday maybe we even have your dad on. Maybe, maybe so. Oh, wait, is he Braves fan? Oh yeah, okay. yeah. I've I've I've. Uh, if if nothing else, I've I've um, indoctrinated. I don't know if that's the right word. My entire family. Oh, okay. Into, they I watch so much Braves baseball. Really, when I was just the only one in the house watching Braves baseball growing up, like the parents didn't really follow it too closely. But then once I got my little sisters sucked into it, and all of their children watching it, then they kind of had no choice. And now they're sucked in. Now there they're watching every night. Good. Even when my it, you know my sisters are older now, they're off to college. So even my parents, when it's just them by themselves at the house. They're still tuned in and keeping up with the Braves. So go. yeah, so yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to do that. Um, you're looking forward to the uh, Leo. I did a I did a radio show with him a few years back and had so much fun. He's just such a, f- a funny guy, full of personality. Yeah, that'll be a great one. I keep hearing literally everybody. I've never met your old teammate Marvin Freeman. Literally everybody says he's hilarious and and fun to be around. Marvin so. is is definitely out there and. Uh, People love him. He's, of course, he's a big dude. I mean, he's yeah. like six six, and so you know when he's there. And right. he's all on Twitter and Facebook and showing people his old footage yeah. <laughs> when he played. And and uh, yeah, he's he's into it, and it's always great having him here. And he's a big uh, a big uh, one of our big alumni at fantasy camp. Cool. So he goes to fantasy camp every year. Alejandro Pena was one of my uh, one of my favorites when I first started watching baseball. Actually, my dad's too. Now he wasn't watching all the time like me, but he when he would watch with me, we loved Alejandro Pena just because we loved saying his name. <laughs> it's like you know, I, I'm a big Virginia basketball fan. They just won a national championship. By the yeah, way. I'm just throwing that out there. Go who's Wahoo. So one of my guys on the team this year, I like. He's he's a junior this year. I love saying his name, Mamadi Diakite. It's just fun. It rolls off. <laughs> oh, my off. gosh. Mamadi Diakite. It's just fun to say yeah. once you learn it. Alejandro Pena was like my first athlete that I like. I just – that name's just cool. You know, I just like saying it. Hey, so, that's great, a heck of a group you got coming to Great closer, great pitcher, yeah. uh, great fastball. Mm-hmm. He would do very well. He'd fit right into the – you know, he threw that 95, 96 up in the zone. And uh, he would – that's all he would bring at you. Well, I, I do need to – before we go here, I do need to thank you 
uh, for one thing. So we, you know, we we taped with Jason yesterday. We're recording this this today, the intro and outro today on on Monday. We recorded with Jason on Easter Sunday uh, down at the festival at Centennial Olympic Park. So you picked me up to, and we rode down there together. And I open up the car door and there's a little carton of uh, mini robin eggs riding shotgun with you. And I just thought, oh, it's just Greg's. It's easily. And you said, you, I didn't think, I figured you probably didn't get a basket, so I got you some eggs. And sure enough, now I don't know if you actually meant those for me or not. I did. Oh, you did? I bought those specifically at Walgreens for oh, you. Oh, well, thank you. Well, that, I'm glad that's the case because they're all gone now. <laughs> I ate them last night while we, while the uh, Hey, while those the are addicted. They, they're very good. I, I ate them literally in the middle of uh, the Braves uh, taking the series from Cleveland mm-hmm. on Sunday Night Baseball. Um, What's so, Easter without some robin eggs? Robin eggs, Braves winning baseball, winning a baseball game on Easter. That's a, that's, that's Easter right. Sunday. I thought Perfect. about a Cadbury bunny, chocolate bunny, but I figured at the podcast it would probably melt. That's so true. I went with the safe bet and just got you the robin eggs. That was, yeah, that was the safe bet. That's good, good call because the, the car sat there at the festival for mm-hmm. a couple hours at yeah, least. Yeah, we had a pretty good parking space. We it was all the tour buses and Greg's car. <laughs> and it was perfect. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah. Well, thanks again to everybody who put that together. Ben, Adam, uh, and Jason, of course. So thank you. And thank you all for listening as always. Keep rating, reviewing, subscribing, telling a friend, sharing it on Twitter, your Instagram story, wherever. We very, very much appreciate it. And uh, you know, we're starting to get into the season now and we're we're having fun being back to doing this every week. You know, the the off season was good. We did it every other week, but it's it's well, I think we're both enjoying that we're back every week now. So we've got a lot of fun things in the works for, for uh, the rest of the spring and the summer, and we're looking forward to having you along with us. So for Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast. We'll see you next time on Behind the Braves. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.